Ladies and gentlemen, this is Black and Blurred. Hi. That's Darren. I'm Brandon. Guys, finally, we are beginning to touch on a topic that we have at least referenced multiple times. Yeah. Um, from the depths of it and then also from the surface level aspect of it. Um, something that we are um, knowledgeable exists, but not knowledgeable. About right, yeah. Really. Yeah. And especially in the height of the world today where if you listen to our podcast you know how facetious this is but the cries of justice Mm -hmm. um, and the cries of uh, I guess lives being valued coming from I think um, mouths with tongues in cheek um this is a topic that doesn't really get front page, doesn't make front page news. Um, it's a topic that I think is extremely um, mute, given the proportion, if, it, if it's in the rate of its existence and in the rate that these things take place. Yeah. Um, I think it is a topic that showcases the darkness of the world. Um, and it may be way more prolific than either of us know. Right. Um, and we're talking about trafficking, human trafficking, sex trafficking. I mean, it's a very big umbrella. Um, there's a lot, I think, to be able to talk about. And we're going to talk about just a small slither of it today. Um, and we're going to do some learning. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're going to do some learning. And, and hopefully you do, too. We have a special guest with us, um, Dr. Renee Morell. Um, who was on duty with the FBI for uh, about 40 years. Um, she joined the FBI in 1979 and retired in 2019. Um, and she had our last assignment as a victim specialist for the Baltimore field office. Um, and from that, there was just a, a, a lot of travel and a lot of um, experience that was gained in that. And so we're looking forward to learning from these things. She had a uh, undergrad degree from UMBC, that's University of Maryland, Baltimore oh, County, wow. um, in social work, and uh, got her grad, did her grad studies at University of Maryland, Baltimore, <clears throat> in social work. Uh, but then her doctorate, mm-hmm. um, her dissertation had topics that addressed the need to uh, for adequate placement and aftercare for minor victims of trafficking in Maryland um, following recovery. So those who are victims of trafficking, how they adjust back into the world. Um, her dissertation was on that. So we are looking forward to having this conversation with Dr. Morell. Dr. Morell. I am here. Yeah. It is such a pleasure, such a pleasure to join you today in talking about this subject that is truly uh, really been a part of my life. And when you do a dissertation on it, it, it you live and breathe it. It becomes uh, a part of you. I can only and imagine. All- yeah, and also to um, to work directly with um, youth and adults mm. who have been um, ha- had to endure this. Yeah, it changed my life. Honestly, it did. It just changed mm. my life. You know, there are a lot of people, um, I think, who bring awareness to these things, but you know the. The, the 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 news about trafficking in the world always seems to be on the fringe. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think that trafficking 
um, or at least the news about it, is not kind of like mainstream. Well, actually, I think people have so much in the news Mm. that takes center stage that we don't put as much credence on children and use. You know, people say it. Like our children are our future. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about the children. I love children. I, but when it comes down to it, we do very little to protect our children mm-hmm. from from the harms of life. We talk more about politics. We talk more about um, so many things. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we could talk more about animal rights sometimes <laughs> than we yeah. talk yeah. about the um, the rights of youth and uh, and protecting them and mm. the culture of protect of making things normalized that isn't normal yeah and and so oh, we talk about it. let's say in Maryland we have a lot of violence in Baltimore City right now so it it takes center stage and there's just no room for anything else it's like it sucks the oxygen out of you and mm. and to think about it. So that's one reason. The second reason it is that it is truly hard to believe. But we'd rather not think about it because that would mean we would be forced to have to do something. If we truly thought about it, we would. it would force us. If we knew about it, if you knew about this thing intimately, it would be hard to, to sleep. It would be hard not to think about it. Um, it would be hard, I think, about your children, your nieces, your nephews. Um, it would be hard to just um, sleep at night. So I think it's easier to not think about mm. not think about it on the level that we should be thinking yeah. about it. Yeah, Does I that think, make sense? No, that makes, that make total, sense? That makes well, yeah. total sense. Yeah. Yeah. We just did an episode. I don't know if you are familiar with um, what <laughs> what just happened with the former NFL player who was – beating on his either I don't know wife ex-wife ex-girlfriend whoever it was he was on tape um abusing her and and what we were talking about is how that naturally only makes us think of our wives Mm -hmm. Um, and so like what you said I think how horrific these things are it would only naturally make people think about um their own children but I think even communally and culturally it would show just how neglected children are, especially in our in our own communities. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's start here because this. I mean, how did you end up on this journey? I see that you <laughs> like you you started with social work. You did graduate studies in social work, and then your your doctoral work is like going into the big guns. What led you down this journey? Well, well, it makes sense because I, I got into social work because. Um, I, I've been with the Bureau for so long, but it, it triggered me when I was in D.C. in the 90s, and it was the war on drugs. So what I saw was, uh, working in D.C., was um, a lot of African Americans being arrested for drugs, low-level crimes, low, low-level people. So they were they were arresting everybody. It was mm-hmm. grandparents and, and fathers and children and the whole family wasn't, and I was like, when did this happen? When did we, as African-Americans, I mean, drugs have been around for a while, but you didn't see parents and grandparents and children involved in this. And I was thinking, instead of thinking, um, 
blaming the families. I was I was thinking to myself, where did we go wrong that this became acceptable mm. and that we allowed um, this to ruin our community to this level? Mm. We, we were hardworking people, always could work hard. So I went into social work yeah. <laughs> um, there and that got me into social work. I, I found out that the FBI, I was thinking, okay, I love social work, but I'm never going to do social work for the FBI because it's an investigative agency. Mm-hmm. So I was already with the Bureau, but the FBI, I was the Bureau. <laughs> I was already with the FBI. Um, when I landed on, uh, it was after 9-11 and, and they opened a new part, a new unit at the FBI that dealt with the victims of the 9-11 tragedy and how they knew that it was more than just bringing the criminals to justice, that the families needed healing and they needed social workers or someone in the social science field mm. who were um, trained to deal with the aftermath of this crime. And that opened up this door to the victim assistance program at the FBI. So I became a part of that, that unit in Baltimore. And so I don't just work with human trafficking cases. When I was a victim specialist, it was all victims of crime. So it was, um, I was working bank robberies because the tellers and the bank robberies are federal crime. And and I was working terrorist cases. So I I was on the team that deployed to all of the school shootings, Sandy Hook and and the Pulse nightclub and all these different, um, so I was providing assistance to those um, individuals and I was working with um, fraud, whether it be elderly or not, and um, all kinds of crimes that the FBI investigates, hate crimes, mm. everything. But I must say that crimes against children, which are usually sex crimes, because children have nothing else. They don't have money and they don't have anything else that people want. They have their innocence. So I must say, of all the crimes that I've worked with victims of, this crime was by far the the most devastating for me. Most most difficult, and all of them are difficult, but the most difficult and and the most challenging. Um, Most other people see themselves as victims, and most of U.S. citizens who are victimized don't. So the youth don't even see themselves as victims. It's very hard to provide assistance to someone who's telling you, I don't need your help. (laughs) I don't even want your help. And I'm mad. And I don't even like you. And so it's really hard to help sometimes that group who need it so desperately. And because they are so young and sometimes because it's been generations of trauma, um, they don't. We normalize some of it, and they don't even recognize that they need help, and they don't want it. So, yeah. very challenging. Very challenging. And what? Well, for 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 those actually who are currently watching live, um, I, I told you we weren't going to do that, but we actually for a little bit are allowing people on Instagram to watch live in this conversation because I think it's an important one. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we're talking to Doctor Renee Morell, um, who's given forty years of her of her time and energy and heart to the FBI and specializing in human trafficking and all the other things you just heard her speaking of. Um, now you mentioned normalization mm-hmm. in what ways that do you think that 
these things are normalized without us knowing. Okay. Let me, you talked a little bit about an NFL player, NBA player who had some violence mm-hmm. against his wife, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or his girlfriend. When children see that, they begin to think that that's normal behavior. Mm-hmm. So that when, so that when you have a trafficker or a pimp who is um, telling this young person that she he loves her but yet he's beating her because she doesn't make money. It feels normal because I've already seen this love-hate thing going on in the house that's right. very confusing and very conflicting and very betrayal. So you telling me that you love me, but you're beating me. You're telling me that you're loving me, but you want me to go out and sleep with other men. You're telling me. So it becomes confusing, and they, and they begin to normalize it as if, you know, why not? I've seen violence already happen in my home. So I can, I can kind of get it. You know, it doesn't quite seem so bad as it did, you know, because I've I've already witnessed some, some stuff in my lifetime. So not only is it hard to, to see uh, a a man mistreat his wife, but it says it's a signal, it sends a message to the children who watch it. It tells the little boys that that may be your behavior. That's how you handle it. Yeah. And it tells little girls that's how you handle it and that this is normal. So this is acceptable. So it is so much violence that mm-hmm. um, even verbal abuse, and it's not always physical abuse. It's just mm-hmm. the tearing down of the soul and making um, people feel as if they don't matter. Mm-hmm. And if they, they their self-esteem is, is an issue in their you know, name calling them, all <laughs> kinds of abuse right. can lead to that feeling that I deserve to be talked to like that. That's normal, you know. Because mm. I saw it happen. That's what happened to my mom. Wow. So that's just one form of normalization that I'm talking I about. See. Or that um, if, a, if somebody is, if a child is out there bringing home some money, or not, it'll say not even going to school. Or not going to school or mom doesn't know. Sometimes don't come home at night. And that's acceptable. How can that be acceptable? Not knowing where your fifteen year is, your fifteen year old is yeah. at all times of the day and night. It can't yeah. be normal. Yeah. Or she's not coming home, or she's not in school, she's not participating, she missed some classes. Well, where were you? Because I need to know where you were these four days, two right. days, even one day right. that mm-hmm. you weren't in school. Right. And so those things can't be normalized. It just can't be. Mm. You know, she got some clothes, a hair, a I didn't buy. Hmm. Wow. And that's typically like, I mean, that's common. The reason you listed those things is because that's pretty common that that's happened. That's People pretty end up common. Like, wow. New phone. And a parent is like, oh, you just have a new phone. Um, you got a new phone? Yeah. Phone costs a thousand dollars. How you get right. a new phone? Yeah. How you get a new yeah. phone? Yeah. You know, wow. it's that kind of tab, that kind of relationship, that thing mm-hmm. is just the thing that, that lets children know you care about me because yeah. you're asking these questions that all parents should be asking. Right. You know, right. where did you get that? No. Come back here. What's going on? <laughs> and mm-hmm. so it's just, it's just like, what? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. Those things aren't normal and they can't be normalized. How, how would you relate this, the, your, that picture you just painted of normalization with grooming, 
How how is how is that related, or are they related? Are they distinguishable? They are very much related, but the vulnerability comes in 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 the need, and whenever you have vulnerable people, you have a potential for someone to abuse them, mm. and that is adults and children. Yeah, if you have a transgender or someone who is binary or just not really. Um, out of the normal sexual orientation mm. um, and can't can't go home. Well, that term, and can't go home is being put out of their home mm. because they don't conform to to whatever. Um, then that child becomes vulnerable because yeah. children in the street can't survive by, without some support. So that child is vulnerable, mm. and um, and so a trafficker will use that vulnerability mm. and seize upon it. If children get online talking about how difficult it is for to be at home with their parents, they drive them crazy. What teenagers' parents don't drive them crazy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, which. Right, yeah. And so, but to have it put online saying, I teach that she doesn't understand me, she doesn't do it. And so this person is taking all this in and saying, I'll be your friend. I, I, I understand you. I hear you. And they are the ones that are filling that gap. Mm. So vulnerability um, is the key to to why. If it is poverty, and this child is looking at everybody else at school who has their hair done, who's, who's you know who's sporting the new Jordans and and looking good and got their hair done, nails done, and just have the new clothes, and I am not that person because. Yeah. My I, my parents just can't afford it. Then that becomes a, a vulnerability. Their mm. age is a vulnerability, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's just the basic age. Age, their age. They're in a very difficult age group where just transitioning from childhood to adulthood mm. is it's growing things there, and to have someone come in and groom them because of their vulnerability to wow. really notice it. And say, okay, she's she needs money, so let me throw money at this one. Mm. This one, her parents seem like they're giving her everything, but she seems to um, to to have low low self esteem. Maybe because of her weight. Maybe because of you know they are youth are always comparing themselves to what they see on social media. Mm-hmm. You know, this one's tall, or this one this. They got this. They got that. I don't. I don't have yeah. this. I don't have that. I don't look like this girl. This that. So if, if they're comparing themselves and they feel inadequate and this person comes up and say, you have all those things, mm. you are beautiful, you are this, you have. And then if he's going to address her and say, not only are you beautiful and you have that, but you are so beautiful. Let me give you this phone just so you can get in touch with me. Because I know your mother monitoring your phone, but she won't be monitoring mm. this cell phone. I'm oh, going to give you the, yeah. the, the this thing or I'm going to give you that so that you can contact me and I'll be there for you. Mm. Or I'm going to just, you know, going to groom you, meaning giving you it, all those things that's going to meet your needs that are met needs. Sometimes it's just to be seen. To be noticed. Darren. And if he's going to notice that person and give her attention, I mean, you have adults who still are searching for attention. Yeah. Oh, to have what? a 14, 15-year-old who, who desperately is trying to find their way, yeah. and this person is being everything, selling this youth a dream. Yeah. I'm going to be everything to you. Can't fulfill nothing, but he's pouring it on. 
either in text messaging or in person on the phone. He's just pouring it on. Mm. It's really hard not to. And, and this person too, age is really important because it is at the age where they still are very, very impressionable. Right. Right. So they may fall for something. A 14, 15 year old will fall for something that a 25 year old, 30 probably yeah. won't fall for. Just because of their age and their inexperience, they may mm. fall for it. So their age, and that's why minor sex trafficking is, is such a, a, a such a big thing. Yeah. Um, it is a federal crime is why I was investigating it. We were investigating it at the FBI because human trafficking is a, is a federal crime and the mm-hmm. two um, Homeland Security and FBI are the two federal agencies that investigated. So that's why I was brought in. But that's a grooming. So they come yeah. out like it's a boyfriend. Or, or, or even if a girl has been used to being sexually assaulted, then right. it's sort of like, hey, you got money. You can make money. You look good. You look good. You can make some money with yeah. that. And if she don't have money and she's already been abused, then wh- why not? It yeah. don't even, it doesn't have the same value. So there's so many ways that they really address. It, it seems that there's, uh, I think this conversation, like going back to what you said earlier, Dr. Morell, um, about not wanting to talk about the conversation or not wanting to know. Um, it seems uh-huh. like a, another one of those reasons would be because it, I think it confronts our very uh, licentious view on sex and sexuality. I think there's a lot of um, aspects about sex that are mistreated that contribute to things like sex trafficking or, or human oh, trafficking. Oh, I think so, yeah. I think so too. I mean, we are a culture that really, um, really, you know, equates sex with with everything. Selling a car, mm. you got this sexy girl here. We got this. Mm. We we dress kids up and and you know everything. That, I mean, and not just the videos and the music, but so many things. Yeah. Um, we are we 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 and we glamorize even pimping. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. or pimping culture we glamorize it we make it feel like it's the, it's the end thing to be so well that was going to be the way. next thing i, I was and, I, and we glamorize it we make it seem like it's the thing and that you know it's just a, um right oh the music and the and and just the way we talk about it it's sexy it's cute so you mm-hmm. have most of your instagram pictures or snapchat will be how sexy can you look mm-hmm. you know you look sexy you know children young people are just trying to be sexy to get the attention, to get the likes. And who doesn't want to get 5 million likes, even though you don't know 5 million people, right. you want to get no, no, 5 no, million no. likes. You know, that's just a thing. It's like, okay, what does that really mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I want people to, how do you get people, how do you get the likes? You get yeah. the likes for looking sexy, probably. Mm. You yeah. know, what looks like, you know, you want to look sexy on this photo. You gotta have this image. And, um, and that is, the thing and yeah. so that's the new thing and and it's it's a shame because how do people know who you are from an instagram photo right, right. and who you really are well next, and how good you are when you're talking about social media i'm my, my mind is going even even further Darren, when she was talking about normalization mm-hmm. were there some things that were coming into your mind um, Netflix, maybe. Yeah, I, yeah. when when you, Doctor Morell, when you were talking about normalization and what what made me ask about grooming, um, was that I, I feel like, and I think we've addressed this a little bit on some episodes on this podcast, where 
Um, television and entertainment, like you were just saying, seems to be used as this very subtle form of grooming where you have uh, w- one thing that we've brought up on this on this podcast is some TV shows that sh- that hypersexualize children. Yeah. Where you have children and they're shown and they have these romantic interests. And at the age that they are, sexuality and all this stuff really isn't something that's going on. Meanwhile, in this TV show, it is. Mm-hmm. And it and it's and it's uh what's what's the word I'm looking for? It's um targeted to children. Right. These these things. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. Would you say that that could be said that this is that could be a form of grooming, or are we off a little bit? I think bit? it is, and I think it robs them of the innocence of not having to deal with the emotions behind it. Sexual contact and and, and that feeling that it's, it's very complex. Mm-hmm. It is so much for it is so much for adults to manage through feelings yeah. and what you feel, and 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 combining that with sex. Too. I mean, it's very, very emotional, and to have it reduced to just a physical act mm. when it should not be is just, and because it's just too much for a young child to comprehend completely yeah. at their age. But they do know what attention feels like. They do know that this person is getting all the attention because they are um, supposedly seen as sexy. They do know that all of this stuff draws this attention from men or boys and they are calling me. They like it. They have likes on my, my Instagram page or yeah. my Snapchat. They do know that and that's all they want. So how yeah. do I get that? So I have to be like that thing that the culture or the mm-hmm. society says I have to be in order to get that attention. Yeah. And it, it, it's a very funny age where that matters. And in this society, all that matters. So we have set up. How did we get here? Mm. Did we set it up like that? Right, right. That that's important. That's so important. Little by little. Yeah. How did we get here when when that was the focus? And you know, and and it's it's just um, tragic. So you yes. have you know seven and eight year olds who know that um you know I want to get likes and mm. and I want to be popular and this is important and this feels. I feel better. Yeah. So when this doesn't happen and I'm trying and I feel pretty bad, so I'll do almost anything to get that feeling back or to get, even have that feeling. Mm-hmm. And they will do almost anything to get it. Yeah. And that's the, um, that's the tragedy of it all. And nobody even knows them. This is, this is online and nobody knows who you are, who you really are, that you're a good person, that you have dreams and aspirations. You're a good athlete. You're a good student. You, you do love the Lord. All these things. Nobody can tell that from That's your right. picture. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Who you That's are. Right. So we miss your right. essence of who you are just based it physically or you trying to have a sexy picture online. Yeah. You know, showing a little skin, trying to do this. And then mm-hmm. somebody sees that and, and, and gets online and starts talking trash to you. Yeah. And then they lure you into doing all God knows how many things or to doing anything or meeting them mm-hmm. and yeah. getting involved in something that you're over your head in. Yeah. And uh, and that's how it happens. It, it happens with normalizing. Um, I had a client or someone called me not long ago who said um, that um, 
they were going to pay their that they our parent had figured out that their um, daughter mm. was being paid by an adult, and she was under the age of eighteen mm. to take pictures of her feet. And he wanted to know if that was uh, or what could we do about it. Oh, and, um, I got some answers. <laughs> and that was just her feet. So feet seemed pretty normal, right? No oh, big goodness. thing. No big thing. No feet. And she's probably thinking, shoot, somebody want to pay me for my feet. Send me some money. I'll sell you. Right. Okay, it's feet today. And then what? Once that becomes normalized, right? Mm-hmm. Then, then, then it'll be like, well, I'll give you more if you show me your arms. And then your legs, and how about this? And but so then it just becomes it. It it, it just sends this grooming message. Yeah. yeah. To their kids. Wow. That it was just about feet, and she's thinking, "Oh, I'm just getting over." And then it goes from you getting over to being gotten over on. Mm. You know, so to just see how that can balloon into something really dangerous yeah. real quick. Mm. Yeah. And and they don't even get it because they don't have the capacity. Mm to even know what's going on. So I think we have to, um, and you know, and what I said was, yeah, it's not something that the FBI would probably take on or any law enforcement would, mm-hmm. would see as a crime. But what it is, is it's an opportunity to have a real good conversation with that, with your daughter. Yeah. And answer what is it? You know, it's, it's the opportunity. It's a teachable yeah. moment. You know it what just crossed my mind? Moment. What just even as you said that a good conversation you have with your daughter, there there's a there needs to be a podcast or a juxtaposition made regarding the grooming that's done uh, for a young girl to get into sexual activity or be sex trafficked versus the grooming done to a young boy to join a gang. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. there's something a part it, of that. Um, yeah, I can see that happening, but. It, it really, it really requires this this real deep conversation. This mm-hmm. honest look at what are we saying to our kids. This real, very hard conversation between parents and children yeah. about about what they're missing. Oh, how is it? And how is it like to be thirteen year old for you? Yeah. What are some of the things that's hard for you? Yeah. And um, and and then and let's try to figure out what your needs are. Because yeah. this is always about I met needs that somebody else is going to fill. And you, if we got to start listening to them. And we're so busy. You know, I, I'm not even blaming parents all the time. I'm just saying you got to look at your kids. And you got to, we got to spend some time with them and understand what they're going through from their point of view. And not discount it because we all went through it. Yeah. The forces of evil it is some demonic warfare out here yeah. against yeah. our children. And yeah. we have got to, that weren't even on the radar mm-hmm. before that we have got to start look, looking at. I mean, before, when I was growing up in Baltimore City, I had the whole neighborhood. I was, it was in the 60s, okay? Wasn't a lot of people working. Women weren't working. The whole neighborhood had the right to get into our business. Mm-hmm. And tell my mother what I was doing, but yeah, that was right. old days. That's right. You know, that was the old days where somebody was going to tell. Hey, we grew everybody up, was looking. We grew up in Baltimore City too, West Side, Liberty Heights, and Garrison. West Our side, neighborhood yes, was the West same side, way. Two one two one side, like it was the whole block, <laughs> the whole block. I was in two one two one side zip code, the whole block. Two one two oh seven. Everybody, yeah. everybody on the block 
had the right to tell my mom and to come out and talk to me and be, and then they were going to tell my mom. So it was like, oh, it wasn't happening back in the 60s so much. But we kind of lost that sense of neighborhood and and, and worrying about each other's Definitely. Um, Definitely. children. And it, it did something to the to the community, yeah. I believe. Darren, I, you're going to ask a question, and we, we have a couple more. We want to okay. dive into some hard-hitting ones, but right now we're going to shut off the IG Live. Thank you guys for joining. Listen to the episode um, coming out next week. Um, but, uh, yeah, Darren, go ahead, go ahead and ask um, your question that you were going to ask. Um, you mentioned, like, social media. Um, and you've been, you know, sounds like you've been doing this for a long time. And so how, how has the tactics for grooming and, and trafficking changed since social media became popular? Because I know trafficking has been going on for a long time since before Facebook. Oh, since the beginning of time. Yeah, <laughs> since before Snapchat. Time. You know, it, it seems like they, yeah. they make it a lot easier. Um, mm-hmm. but what, what has, what have you seen change? Um, and, and the tactics of people who are trafficking, um, you know, what was it like when they didn't have that social media and how has that changed and how is social oh, media? They, had, they were still, um, before social media became really popular, they had, um, they was, they were somewhat advertising online, but it wasn't, it was certain sites mm. that were real popular, um, um, that, that were taken down because of it, um, but it is the site that was backpage backpage.com was really big. And, um, and what happened because it was so much advertisement on backpage, the, um, legally it got it shut down. Wow. But what it did was it forced, um, it didn't stop the movement. It just stopped that particular apparatus. That so yeah. instead that website. And so yeah. instead of us having like one law enforcement, having one or two places to really look. It went everywhere. It went to every social media platform out there. And mm. so it is on all of them now. So it's, it's, it's a little bit more difficult to, um, to, to find. And, um, but they have been working very hard to, mm. to, to use the tools that they have to, to find it. We've always been, um, law enforcement has always been working hard to, figure out and also some of the platforms have their own system set up to detect when things are happening but it's always changing and getting very um, very complicated I yeah, guess and yeah, all the I signals bet. that people use That's to, right. to kind of to kind of address it but before then you had more I guess more tracks more streets mm. um, more youth who were on the streets who were mostly walking the streets. You still have them mm. um, around town and in Maryland and everywhere where you have actual tracks mm. where you find young people or older people, mostly older people who, who are not as savvy as, mm. uh, as young people yeah. who may be um, walking, walking the streets or sometimes those who are, who have addiction problems. Yeah. They don't have the time to, to set up a page to go through all of the, you know, cash at me here, do all this, that, and this yeah. other. They just need, if you're addicted, you need, you need to get drugs or you need that. You just got to walk up the streets and, and see what you can get and do what you can do and, um, and get what you can get. So that's kind of what the old school looked like. Or, um, 
pimps trying to, or traffickers trying to pick up youth at the at the mall mm. or at the skating ring or anywhere that youth were gathering. And they used to gather at the mall a lot. And then um, COVID hit, or um, some malls put restrictions on how how what age children can be in the um, in the mall without their parents or at certain times of the day or. Yeah. You know, it, it became a little stricter, so um, it became more difficult mm. for a sexual trafficker to find youth who aren't online. So they did with it where they are. They yeah. online, they gaming, right. they doing. You know, you got games like galore, who are children are gaming. A lot of young boys have been um, exploited, maybe not through trafficking, but sextortion is uh, the cousin to trafficking, mm. and that is um, the extortion of children online or sexting and showing pictures of um, yeah. inappropriate pictures sexually. Especially, uh, there, there are a lot of games where people are like, they're, you're a different character and all you're doing is having these conversations with other people online. What is that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I forgot what they called that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I retired with the Bureau, so I don't know as much about it as much as I used to. I now mm. work mostly with a nonprofit that works with human trafficking Mm-hmm. Um, to educate and to restore those who have been caught up in the game yeah. and uh, and to go out and to figure out how do we and work on prevention that methods because I mm-hmm. think we don't talk enough about permit from prevention. We don't talk enough about the buyers. So if this thing couldn't be if there weren't mostly men who were willing to have sex with oh, yeah. um, youth. So we don't talk as much about demand and the, and the buyers as yeah, we yeah. should, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is a misdemeanor, mm. and they barely get anything, any what? any serious charges. Yeah, it is. What? For the buyers. The traffickers are different, but the buyers. Right. Um, I mean, but yeah, you, but, but they're the, they like are, the yeah, they're, well, not, they're, they're the, uh, they're the product. Yes. Yeah, right. Or okay. the consumer. They're the consumer. They're the consumer. They're the consumer. Yeah. They're the consumer. They're yeah. consumers, so they're buying. Right, they're buying right. Juice, so know, they don't quite when, get as much. Before I even um, like knew, I guess even the little bit that I know now about sex trafficking, when people mention sex trafficking, the 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 image I have is like that movie Taken. It's somewhere overseas, I know. in the third Thank world. You. Yeah, you know, third world country yeah. people who speak different languages. What would you say to someone who has that picture of sex trafficking in the world? I would say this is not taken. <laughs> not that that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I think that there are um, a lot of foreign nationals, people who who get coerced coming to the United States. Mm-hmm. So the um, foreigners or those in third world countries, they always want to, everybody wants to come to the United States. So they can definitely be vulnerable. They're looking mm-hmm. for a better life. They've been promised jobs, they've been promised a modeling career, they've been promised a lot to come to the United States So they and, they, and their families may even put the money up or be tricked into having them come here. They get here and it's not what they thought. Somebody's holding their passport, somebody's forcing them to work in, in labor trafficking and sex trafficking together. Mm-hmm. So that is true. It does happen. Not nearly, not nearly as much as um, domestic trafficking is yeah. in the United States. So wow. what I see mostly, mostly, and I have, I've had work 
labor trafficking cases. But um, mostly it is. But those those people who come for our nationals who come here, they will definitely usually usually identify as victims. So if we recover them, they will say, "Help me! This is what's happened. This is how it happened, and I was a victim of this crime." Now, that is not the case with domestic minor sex trafficking, our U.S. citizens who have been caught up in them. They don't see themselves as victims. That was my boyfriend. Uh, I loved him. He, you know, I wanted to do this. I've been doing this on my own. Definitely is a uh, difference in how it is perceived and how how it was. So traditionally, the laws were meant to protect those who were coming in. So in 2000, the trafficking Victims um, Act really dealt with those foreign nationals and providing services to them. They always thought that we had a safety net for our children and that social services, somebody would, would come in and save them. Not the case. Mm. <laughs> Not the case. They don't identify as victims traditionally. Yeah. Yeah. So I have never once met a, a, a trafficking victim, maybe once or twice. Mm. No, very seldom. Maybe once. Who actually said, this person forced me into it. I didn't do it. They, it's just more difficult. They kidnapped me. You know, that yeah. whole white van thing that went on and or these victims in D.C. that went on. Yeah. It was it was it was kind of conflicting terms. There are children who go missing. Our black girls go missing every day. Mm. It doesn't matter what the reason they went missing. Somebody needs to find them. Yeah. Because as long as they on the streets alone by themselves, whether they ran away were kidnapped or whatever yeah. the reason traffic find them because yeah. they're gonna be it is hard to be out on the streets with no support by yourself they will yeah. have to do everything and anything to survive that's the key regardless yeah. to what it is let's find them let's keep them off the streets let's find out what put them on the streets let's if they were abducted let's let's do that abduction is different from trafficking trafficking is the trading of sex something of value so it has to be a, a commercial transaction children under the 18 can't consent to a commercial transaction mm. they can't buy a car they can't get a credit card they cannot trade sex for anything of value they mm. can't trade it for drugs they can't trade it for money they can't trade it for hairdo or iphone they can't trade sex for anything because that is a commercial transaction and children can't engage. So they will always be seen in federal law as victims just because of their age. Even if they said, I wanted to do it, I love doing it, this is what I want, they will always be seen under the age age of 18 as victims under federal statute. Mm. Maryland statute, a little different. They can still be arrested in some parts of Maryland for some reason. Um, and charged with a prostitution charge. Yeah, wow, wow. So it's a little different in the state law as opposed to federal law. But that was the thing. So it is very hard. So, and that's the difference between, like, over the age of 18, there is a element that we, law enforcement, would have to prove that mm-hmm. that person was forced into it, was fraud or coercion. So you have to prove that somebody forced you into it. They they forced you into it. They held a gun to your head. They beat you up. They threatened you. They made you do it. 
or coerced. You know, tricked you into doing it. You thought mm-hmm. you was getting this job. You went here for a modeling career, a rapping career, whatever, mm-hmm. and somebody tricked you into it. Was fraud or coercion? They thought, you know, all these things. They coerced you and said, if you don't do it, I'm going to beat your family. I know what, like a gang would say, I know where you are. I know where you live. They're coerced into it. So it is, it is, yeah. those elements have to be there for an adult. If they aren't there, they could definitely face a prostitution charge if you're over the age of 18. If you don't have forced fraud or coercion, you could face a, a prostitution charge. And prostitution charge holds this value. That if, if you have a charge of prostitution on your record, it makes people feel as if you you got some moral something. Yeah. If you're not clean, you're dirty, they can take advantage of you. Mm. It hold, it's, it's so hard to, yeah. to beat that image that people have if you have a prostitution charge. So, yeah. And most of those who are over the age of 18, they started when they were victimized as right. children. Right. Yeah. I think that's a big thing I think is not addressed is sexual abuse. Um, and I think it's not addressed... Um, or I guess it's growing more and more silent because of the sexual promiscuity in the culture um, where people would probably be shocked to know that there are advocates for pedophilia. Mm-hmm. There are people who are advocating for the rights of pedophiles and saying to re- re- remove the stigma from that of a pedophile. They're changing the name mm-hmm. where it's a, uh, instead of a pedophile, it's a, a minor attracted, but yeah, people. minor, minor attracted people or persons. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that all goes with the, uh, the flow of the culture, but if you are accepting of that in the culture, then you have to stay away from the horrors that Dr. Morell is talking about because mm-hmm. they begin you to do. clash. It, it begins to clash, and yeah. it does, and that's all it is. It's it, let's call it what it is. Yeah. It is rape. It's abuse. It's mm-hmm. child abuse. It's mm-hmm. sexual. It is sexual assault. Mm-hmm. It's exploitation. It is all those things. It yeah. is certainly child abuse and should be held under the same guidelines as child abuse um, for those who engage in sex with minors, even if you you should know, or you need to ask, Mm -hmm. what is your age? Let me see something. If you think running around trying to have sex with people out there online or something, and you don't know, because consenting adults can do whatever they choose to do, but with children it is a different story, and the, the saying that I didn't know is not enough. Yeah, right. Right. That's right. It's just not enough to say I didn't know how old she was. Yeah. You know, where do, so where, do you, where do you begin to start investigating a, a, a trafficking incident or a, you know, a um, sexual abuse? I mean, where do you where do you begin if there's um, it's, it's a lot of ways to begin. Um, sometimes you get tips. I mean, the school system is really good. If you educate people and make mm-hmm. them aware and they see something strange and there's so much strange stuff out there mm-hmm. that you see that doesn't add up. Well, if a teacher is looking at a child who who they know can't afford um, some of the really expensive stuff that they may, that this child may have, Mm. Then it may be a question. It's, it's not just one thing, though. So that means what? Mm. Or, or you hear stuff in school because people are talking, and yeah. children are talking, and ta- and parents, and I mean, the teachers hear stuff, or they know oh, this child isn't at school. I had um, a youth 
a teacher who called me. We had done a training to the school social workers and the school the teachers on trafficking. And she calls me up and say, you know, Dr. Morrell, um, I think one of my students um, was trafficked. And I said, what gave you that impression? This is a fifth grader. And she, she talks about having um, butt sex. Mm. This is an 11-year-old. Wow. And it was shocking to the teacher. And um, I said to her, have her, is her mom, have you talked to her mom? Can her mom give me a call? Because always in the school system, she just talked about it. So it's not like anybody caught her doing anything. Mm-hmm. And I said, give her mom my number. And I called the mom. The mom called me. And we had a conversation. And, you know, I visited them. And they definitely had some issues. But it comes about when people are aware. Once you're trained and you know what you see, you see it in, in plain sight. And you can, it, you know, you're not always really sure about everything, but you get that feeling that this doesn't, this doesn't add up. Something about this situation doesn't add up. Yeah. And these are some signings. You don't have to know everything. You just need to call it in and let somebody investigate it. If it just seems, just, just doesn't really well with you. And I tell this to people, and I said it tonight when I was training, to trust your gut feeling. Teach mm-hmm. your children to, touch, to yeah. trust their gut feeling. It doesn't mean that that what you feel is is 100% right. It just means that it made you uncomfortable. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and that's the time to ask questions, to take a, a, a pause. Yeah. And and just take a pause and ask yourself, what is it about this picture that doesn't seem right? Mm-hmm. And, and and do something. You don't have to know everything. It's just places and people that you can call and and they are to call the FBI, call your local law enforcement, call somebody and say to them, you know, I had this feeling, this is what I saw, give them as much information as you can mm-hmm. so that, you know, somebody in authority can go and look at it and see if this is in fact um, something that uh, that that is odd and look into it. And I think that is all. That's the same thing you would do with um, domestic violence or child abuse. You don't have to know everything. You just right. gotta have a feeling I think that this thing right. isn't right. Mm-hmm. That that's right. I think that um, even based on some of the conversations we've had with people in the past, is that. Um, People don't have the antenna um, required for someone living in a dark world. Like it doesn't mean that everything is going to happen to you or to someone you know. But we talk about certain things with individuals who like disagree that someone would even do something so dark. It's like people don't actually believe the world is as dark as it is. Um, it must be very dark. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and and I teach my children, my grandchildren to trust their feelings. You know, I know a lot of times mm-hmm. when we were young, um, such and such a person would come and, and they would hug you. You know, you would have your children hug strangers. Children sometimes don't want to be hugged. And it's like, yeah, trust your feelings because if somebody inappropriately touched you, I want you to stand back. And yeah. so we, we have to say, you know, just saying hi is fine. Yeah, you know, yeah. waving is fine. Yeah. They don't have to touch, you know. Right. If you're uncomfortable with touch, touching is fine. They teach your children to kind of really lean in 
to to un- those uncomfortable feelings that mm. they may feel, and um and then talk about it. Tell me what was it about that that gave you this feeling? Okay, mm. and 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 let us value what they say and hear what they say. Yeah. But we also, if we see something that doesn't look right, you know. You know, do something. Call somebody. Take a picture. Everybody got a cell phone with a camera. Well, I'm taking more pictures than y'all can. Y'all all know. I take me some pictures on my cell phone. It holds a lot of, I got a lot of memory up in this this phone. And I'm taking pictures. And if yeah. something happened and something in long run it happens, I'm like, oh, yeah. I got a picture of that license tag. I got a picture of that person. Right. I got a picture. So when I'm calling this, and I call in a lot to yeah. say something odd happened. Yeah. You know, I just say something odd happened. If something comes up in that, if you hear more calls about it, because that's what makes people move when enough people call in to say it was odd, right? That's yeah. when you get people there. So I said, you know, this happened. I was at this particular block and I saw something. It just, it just didn't feel right about me. I took a picture of the license tag and I got a picture of the person, you know, and everybody involved. And I can send it to you just in case. Mm. And if something happened, it's as simple as that. And I, I do it because, you know, yeah. you got your phone. And if you don't have nothing, without the cell phones, it's a lot of crimes that would not have been, we wouldn't have come to see there in in real time on TV with uh, Black Lives Matter and a couple of things. If people hadn't been taking pictures of it, it would have been, it would not have been an issue and nobody would have believed it if they Mm -hmm. didn't see it on on film. So I say, take your cameras out. And if you take a picture, if you take selfies all the time, take some pictures of stuff that just seem odd mm-hmm. to you, you know, get some photos of it and mm-hmm. take it. And yeah. um, I thought I, I would just um, call it in. There yeah. is a national human trafficking hotline number that yeah. I can in that number. Let me tell you, that's what they do. It's 24 hours. And that's the place to call. Well, I think this if is a perfect time for anything. you to share that. Because we're, okay. we're coming up on the end. Um, so could you please share that um, for our and listeners? Let me share that with you. Yeah. It is 888-373-7888. And one more time for us. 888-373-7888. All right. Well, listeners, that's the national, uh, you said trafficking, human trafficking, human trafficking hotline. hotline used. Um, that's for your, at, to, to use at your disposal. Um, if ever that is necessary, we pray it is never necessary for you. Um, mm-hmm. But Dr. Moreau, we definitely appreciate you coming on and, and yeah. bringing all of your expertise and information for us to benefit and grow from. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure. Uh, to talk to you, awareness is the key, and I just appreciate you all for, for just allowing me to kind of talk about my experience, but mostly mm-hmm. to perhaps help someone out there who may need some help or some families who just need to know what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we also appreciate all the sacrificial service that you've put into mm-hmm. the FBI mm-hmm. and also just fighting for our communities. We We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, guys, just listen to what Dr. Moreau was saying um, and uh, take heed to being aware, um, have an antenna, 
Um, I know that there are even people out there that listen to some of the things she says and says, oh, that makes you paranoid. Taking pictures and looking at things. Guys, don't worry about that. Be aware um, for the sake of your own life, but also even more importantly, for the sake of our young loved ones, um, these children who are the future, um, who are entrusted to us um, as a community, as people. So let's care for them well. There's an attack. There's always been an attack on children from the very beginning. Um, and it still is today. And so let's stand firm and let's fight for them, uh, no matter what the culture thinks or uh, says otherwise. Uh, so we thank you guys for tuning into this episode of Black and Blurred, where you are guaranteed to hear one of two things, our humble opinion. Or the facts. Holler at us. Mm-hmm.